Okay, so I have a couple of caveats before I start. The first is, this is by no means saying that I have this figured out and know how to do everything that we're supposed to do. It is only saying that I have studied some of this and I'm very passionate about it, which is the second caveat, and that is that I'll probably cry, and that's okay too. We're prepared. <clears throat> so um, we're talking about worship today, if you didn't know. And... Um, it's kind of a big deal for me. I don't know why. It's just one of my passions. That and accountability. So he'll probably talk, have me talk about that some other time. We'll see. But anyways, um, I wanted to start out with what worship is. And the first part of that, I feel, is praise. And we always talk about praise and worship. And we're going to do this worship service. And, but what do those words mean? So from what I have read, and again, I'm not like the expert on this. Praise is about proclaiming God's character. And proclaiming is to indicate, to make known publicly, to lift up. So whenever we're praising, we're talking about uh, the marvels of God, how wonderful he is, the things that he's done for us, um, the earth that he created, the us that he created, even though we kind of mess things up in that area. Um, what he has created is amazing. What he has done is, created, is amazing, and who he is is amazing. So that's our praise portion. What comes out of that? is worship. Um, it is a response to the character of God. So it's something that happens in a lot of different areas in yourself and in your life. It happens in your heart. It happens in your posture, in your mind, in your spirit, and in other things, and things that you do, your activities. Um, we'll talk about posture a little bit, but I, I'll get there. <clears throat> So worship is, this is from a book called The Worshiping Artist by Rory Nolan. Worship is our response to the presence of God. Worship is participatory, meaning that's a verb, it's something we do. It is not something done to me by the worship band. In fact, worship is not about me at all. It's all about God. Um, one of the things that I think that we get tripped up on is we think worship equals music. And it doesn't. As much as I love music, and you know I do, it is not the sum of worship. It is a portion of worship. It's something that we do um, as a way to express our um, overwhelm, our, I can't even think of all the words, of how important God is to us and what he's done for us and who he is. Um, so music is one way that we express that, but it's only one way. It's not everything. <clears throat> As we learn about his character, we find tons of reasons to praise him for who he is. When we get closer to and we praise him more, we experience more of him and then are compelled to worship in response. It's not something we have to do. Like when I was a little kid, I was like, oh, are the hymns done yet? You know, it's not like that. It is something that um, we are so excited about that that's all we can come out with is this worship. It's all we can come out with is sometimes it's music, sometimes it's dancing, sometimes it's flags. It, it, it can be different for everybody, but something comes out of what we experience of God, what we learn about him. There are lots of ways to learn about his character, of course. Um, we can go through a study of all of the names of God. Jehovah Jireh is the only one I can think of at the moment, but you know, the ways that he provides for us, um, that he's a counselor, a refuge, all of those things. That can be an entire sermon on its own, of course. 
So his names are a way for us to learn about his character. His works, as I mentioned, nature, um, us, the things that he's, space for crying out loud. I just, you learn anything on YouTube about space and it's gonna blow your mind that we're even part of this whole cosmos. Uh, his attributes, obviously his word, anything that we study about um, God in his word is gonna give us information about his character and who he is to us and for us, what, and who he is without us. Like, he really doesn't need us to be as amazing as he is. He's just there being amazing, and he brings us along for the ride because of his love for us. Um, and our experiences. Definitely part of what he's given us is this life that we're living and the people that we're living it with. And so our experiences can definitely tell us about God's character. Um, one of the things I think about when I think about that is uh, when I was in college, <clears throat> I decided to go on a mission trip, and I didn't know where or when or how, and of course God brought all those things to me. And the timeline is I, was, I went to camp as a counselor, and if you've ever counseled camp, it is exhausting. <laughs> Physically, spiritually, emotionally, you are wiped at the end of the week. So I had camp, and then like four days, and then I was leaving for Philadelphia before going to Spain. <laughs> so during that time frame, my home church at the time had promised uh, like $750 toward the 2000 that I needed to go. And I found out at camp that they were pulling out. Yeah, that was my reaction too. I was devastated. I didn't have time to get that much more money raised. So I just, you know, I said, you know what, God, this has all got to be you if you want me to go. That's the only way that, that that's going to happen is if you provide this money. So I get home. I told some people about it. I get home. I'm exhausted. I'm sitting around. My friends came over. Two of my friends came over from the university Christian group that I was in. And they said they'd heard about it and that several of them, maybe five to seven of them, got together and got me $800 to go. College kids got me $800 to go to Spain. <laughs> absolutely a miracle. It was such a miracle. I was speechless for a minute, <laughs> which they thought was, yeah, that's exactly right. That, no, it's true. They said, we need to write this on the calendar. <laughs> so, but that was an experience of God's character and how he provides for us. And we don't have to ask for it necessarily. I think he likes it when we do, because that's showing that we're leaning on him and that we're, um, uh, we recognize that we need him in our lives, but he provides for us because he loves us, not because we've done something right. And he doesn't provide, he doesn't say, I'm going to hold this back because you've done something wrong. That's not how he works. So when you have answers to prayer like that, or, and I, we, I know we all have our own stories of the same kind of thing. That's another way of God showing his character to us. And part of what comes out of that experience is that worship. Thank you, God. I can't believe you did this for me. And we get surprised time and time again, even though we probably shouldn't be surprised. I, we should probably be used to it now. But I think because it's a miracle every time, it's always um, not a surprise. It's not the, uh, I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean. It's, it's something that's amazing for us. So another thing to think about is when we do use music, because we do use it a lot, and I think that's, um, I do think it's a very important part of worship. For, more, for some of us more than others, I mean, I love music. I know there, I, well, I hear there are some people out there that aren't into music. I don't know who those people are, but I suppose there are. But while we're listening to music, while we're using songs, one of the ways that we can be more uh, checked in to what we're doing is to really be paying attention to the lyrics. 
somebody took the time to write this down. Somebody took the time to pray to God and ask for him to lead them in providing these words to share with other people, whatever, either something they were feeling themselves or something that God had on their hearts to share with other people. So it, it is important for us to be able to listen and read those words and really kind of take in what those words mean. Don't just sing it because you like the song. I mean, that's great. It's great to like the song. It's great to like the music. But the message is what's most important. The message is what's most important in those songs. So think about those lyrics. Digest them. Worship him that those words were given to someone to share to us. Worship him that those words exist and tell us something about him. Uh, one of the examples I have is, oh, how he loves. That's one of my faves, of course. Um, and when you think about some of the words in there, it, it just makes the song even deeper than just, hey, that's a nice song. I like those words. Like if you think about he loves like a hurricane and I'm a tree, his love is so overwhelming, so all-encompassing, so powerful that we would just fall over in its presence. And we don't do that enough. We don't fall over in his presence enough. I think we... Um, Maybe we don't think it's dignified because it's not something we do in America. I don't know. But we don't fall over enough. That's something we, at least in our heads, we need to be falling over if we don't physically do it, you know? Um, and another line that really gets me in this one is, when all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. We all have a lot of problems. Everybody has problems because we're on earth. It's full of sin. It's not the new heaven and new earth yet, so we're going to have issues that happen. God is so much more important than those issues. And I don't mean he's big enough that he's going to fix them. That's not even a part of this conversation right now. He is so much more important. He is so much more um, grand that our problems don't even matter. They're eclipsed by his glory. The problems don't even register because of his greatness. And I, I can't say that I'm always there, obviously, but that's something that I... I try to get to because, I mean, my goodness, why would you want to be anywhere else? Ooh. Sorry, guys. Um, I just mentioned this before. So worship is not just about music. When we put limits on the type of worship music that we want to listen to or that we want to sing with, I feel like we're kind of putting limits on him. Um, a long time ago, I was going to a church. Okay, so I don't like country music. Sorry for those of you who do. It's just not my thing. <laughs> but a church that I was going to had a rodeo group come in, and they did the service. And so, of course, it was all country music. Not just country, but country, country. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to worship with country music? I can't sit. And then God's like, mm, it's not about the music. It's about the words. It's about the heart of the people leading. It's about what I have done for you, and the music doesn't matter. And I, I think I was able to worship better then than I did on a regular Sunday. Um, and so that kind of highlighted to me that's something I need to work on, and I still do. It's not something I've fixed. We're all a work in progress. But it's something that I um, try really hard to think about. When we have a song that is just not one of my favorites, I say, okay. You don't like the music that much. That's okay. It doesn't matter. You can still worship because God is still here. He's, his presence is, is wonderful here. And you can react and, and have a result of worship regardless of how it comes to you, if that makes sense. So 
that's something else I would challenge us to work on. I also mentioned that worship is an active verb, not a reflexive verb where something is done to you. It's an active verb where you're doing the work. You're the one doing the action. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to proclaim who he is. Out of that proclamation comes the worship. So if we're doing one, the other's going to follow. It should. I think sometimes we get in our own way, but it should. Shout to the world who he is. Um, and then that worship happens. It just happens. I, I've been in various situations, I'm sure we all have, where uh, just a, an incredible moment of worship, it happens here at church, actually. An incredible moment of worship happens where we're all just really feeling the spirit and we know he's here and he's ministering and all of that. that those moments don't have to be once a year. They can be every day, all day, because he is always with us. He's always with us, and his presence leads to our proclamation of who he is, which leads to us worshiping. It, it's simple, but it's not easy for us. <laughs> mm, distractions kind of get in the way, I think. So worship is about our focus. What is your focus when you're worshiping? I sit in the front row for a very, very, very particular reason. I'm very much a people watcher. And if I sat in the back, I would just watch everybody and what they're doing. And, oh, yeah, somebody had to blow their nose or someone has to go to the back. I mean, it's not like I'm stalking everyone, but <laughs> I just watch people. So I sit in the front so that I don't have those distractions. And we still have other distractions, but that's one that I can eliminate myself easily is just sitting in the front. Um, so think about the next time we're worshiping or uh, Tom is speaking or we're doing um, offering any of those things all of those can be acts of worship think about where your focus is are you thinking about what your neighbor is doing are you thinking about the music style and whether or not you like it or how loud it is or how quiet it is are you thinking about where the praise team is standing I've had people complain about that at another church I went to you were standing in the center and that's not okay and God doesn't like that and I'm thinking why aren't you focused on God instead of where I'm standing but whatever so you have to be able to to think about um, what your focus is if your focus is on God if your focus is on who he is and what he's done and how marvelous he is and how incredibly blessed we are to be part of his family then you're in the right place you're you're doing what we're called to do. Um, in Psalm 115, 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. All of this is for him. Worship is not for us. It's not about us and it's not for us. It is 100% for him. It is about showing him how much we appreciate him and what he's done showing him how much we are humbled by his presence and how much we love him, and not about, mm, I like this song, this is okay. Mm, I wonder what I want to have for lunch today. No, it, the focus has got to be on him. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I've got this mastered because I don't, but I just know that that's what we're supposed to be doing. Worship is also about being in his presence. Um, I think that that, he's in every church. No question. But I feel like the um, strength, the density 
of his presence has a lot to do with the people in the church and especially the leader. We've got a leader who's pretty good at bringing us into God's presence in worship. And because of that, I feel like he's here with us all the time. He's here with us all the time. And we can bask in that amazing presence anytime. Um, and part of that is because of Mike, so thank you. In Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So everything that we do, say, think, feel, any of that can be an act of worship and should be. Uh, Mark 12, 30 to 31, and I can give these passages out to anybody who wants them after. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That pretty much covers it. The second one is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So if we're loving him with all of those things and worship is the result of that, then of course we'd be worshiping 24-7. We'd be in prayer 24-7 because that's part of it as well. Because we are um, just, I mean, everything that, that he's given us, everything that he, I can't even, mm, okay. So a few years ago, actually it's more like, 10 years ago, maybe at this point, um, I had a personal revelation. I'm not saying that this is brand new and nobody knew this before me because it's not like that. I mean, just for myself. I call it temple thought for myself. And it's the reason I got this tattoo. The tattoo is the word temple in Hebrew. And a lot of times in the greater culture, when people talk about my body is a temple, they're talking about, you know, eating right and going to the gym and all those kinds of things. And that's important, but that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the tip of the iceberg. Everything that I take in with my eyes and my ears, everything that I touch, everything that I say or think, everything that I expose myself to, all of those things come into our temple. And do we want those things to be in the same temple as Jesus? I sure don't. And we've been getting a message for weeks now, weeks, including today, about clearing out what's in the way and letting God come in. And I feel like this is something that he's really going to be um, hitting home with us, is that the less of us that's in there, the more of him can be in there. Just getting rid of, of all the junk, getting rid of uh, jealousy and hatred and calamity and, and anything you can think of, even our hobbies. If our hobbies take us away from time with God, that's basically a sin. Oh, that hurts to say. <laughs> but we have to be able to let those things go to make more room for him. Now, I don't mean that he's going to say, no, you can't do this anymore. I don't think it's like that because he wants us to enjoy life. I think it's just we have to figure out the balance. We can't let the hobby be so important that we're willing to skip out on things that he wants us to do. You know what I mean? So have your hobbies, have your interests, have your activities that you're doing, but just make sure that they're not getting in the way of your time with God. They're not making you ignore your worship for him. Um, I don't remember where I found this. I was trying to find this in my notes before, and I couldn't find it, so I honestly don't know where it came from, but one of the things that we talked about at camp, and this is 
maybe the second to last year I went, was to be alert for his presence in everything that we do. And the main phrase that kept coming up was have an awakened heart. And I remember thinking that that was really an interesting thought and I wanted to really chew on it and get more out of it. And when you have an awakened heart, you really notice a lot of things that God has done and how you can worship him. Okay, this is a really bad example, but think of the game punch bug. I'm sure you guys have all played this, yes? Okay, so when you're playing the game, you see punch bugs everywhere. Like everybody's driving one. You're constantly punching your family. <laughs> Slug bug, sorry. Slug bug. <clears throat> My bad. <laughs> that must be a lower central Ohio thing. Anyway, <laughs> so you see VW bugs everywhere. When you're not playing the game, you don't really pay attention to it, right? So it's when you're focused on that, when you're really awake to those things being there. So if you have an awakened heart for what Jesus is doing, you see that stuff everywhere. So the example I can give you for that is after camp that week, I was driving home and it was like a three hour drive or something. And I'm driving and I'm like, yes, Lord, I wanna have an awakened heart and, and please help me to see you in the things that are going on around me, help me to be more aware. And the song to make you feel my love came on and it's, it was written by Bob Dylan, I guess. I didn't know this until I was looking it up. So it was written by Bob Dylan. I'd heard it first from Billy Joel, and then, of course, Adele did it fairly recently. And when I listened to that song, and I was really listening to the words and thinking about having an awakened heart, I was sobbing in my car. Had my hands raised. I had to pull over. It was nuts because, and it's a, it's a romance song, obviously. It's a love song. But a lot of love songs can be applied to our relationship with God. And this was one. So I won't read you the whole thing, but you know. When the rain is blowing in your face and the whole world is on your case, I could offer you a warm embrace to make you feel my love. And this would be God to us. When the evening shadows and the stars appear and there's no one there to dry your tears, I could hold you for a million years <laughs> to make you feel my love. I know you haven't made your mind up yet, but I would never do you wrong. I've known it from the moment that we met. There's no doubt in my mind where you belong. And it goes on from there. So I encourage you to listen to that song and listen to other ones too because his love is just so amazing. And we don't deserve it at all. But he does it anyway. And he works hard at loving us. He works because we make it hard. He works hard at loving us and giving us things that we don't, we really don't deserve. But he's just such an amazing God that he does it anyway. So, <clears throat> I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> um, again, from Rory Nolan's book, The Worshiping Artist, he says, the question is not whether God is present to us. The question is how present we are to God. And that struck me going through that book as well. Um, it is up to us to be open and willing to hear what he has to say. He shouldn't have to pry us open to get into our hearts. It's hard for some of us. Some of us have been through some terrible things. It's hard for us to trust. It's hard for us to be vulnerable. And I get that. I think we're all in the same boat there. But once you open yourself to him and just how amazing he is, um, the other stuff is just not as important anymore. He's, he kind of over eclipses all of it, just like we talked about before. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, think about what you spend most of your time on. 
What if you did that as an act of worship? So we talked about hobbies before. One of my hobbies is stationery. <laughs> and I mean pens and paper and stickers and all that kind of fun stuff, right? I love those things. I don't know why. I've decided not to try to figure that out anymore. I just do. Um, but how can I use that as an act of worship? I can write letters to people. I can write notes. I can write prayers to God. I can write about what he's done for me that day. I can make some, someone um, like a little framed message that I can send to them. There's all kinds of things you can do with that. So anything, if you garden, my goodness, guard, I am not a gardener, <laughs> but I get why that could be absolutely an act of worship because you're caring for, physically caring for something that he's given us and created for us to make a beautiful space for either yourself or other people. There's all kinds of ways that your uh, behavior, your hobbies, your whatever can be an act of worship for him. Here in the church, offering is an act of worship. It's not just pulling out a check, writing it, and boom. It's an act of worship because we are giving back to him what he has lent to us. Lent. Nothing that we quote-unquote own is really ours. It could burn up in a fire tomorrow. But we are given that opportunity to show him in a worshipful way that we appreciate what he has done for us, how he's provided, and this is one of those ways of showing him that. Most importantly, of course, don't forget about prayer. That's kind of a biggie. It has to be a part of worship, and it is here. I think that our church has a pretty good example of how we should be uh, focused and thinking and doing in worship. So prayer is a big part of it. Um, it can help you to, like, okay, so I was sitting over there while we're praying, while we're worshiping, and I'm thinking, God, please get the nerves out of my head, get the my thoughts of how I should stand or what my hair looks like or any of that junk. None of that matters. Help me to get that out of my head so that I'm out of my own way so that your words can come through. We can all do that with anything we do, really. <clears throat> it can help you focus. Um, it can help you in praising him and thanking him. Of course, we can do many, many sermons on prayer, but that's one way that it can be used in worship. So now we get to postures. <clears throat> so physical postures, how do I say this? It is not what makes or breaks worship, so please don't think that that's what I'm saying. I am not saying that if you don't raise your hands, you're not worshiping, because that is not true at all. Worship is in your heart, 100% in your heart. But I challenge us to release some of our worries about what we look like when we're physically worshiping. Um, I grew up in an American Baptist church, which is a lot like Mennonites, if you want to know the truth. And so we would, you know, sit there in the, the pew, hold up the hymn, sit back down, and we, that's all we did. So for me to be moving in worship when I started doing it in college was really weird. It still is. You know, you, it's hard to break out from what you break away from your traditions, right? So, <laughs> so we want to break the, break the ground of those traditions and move on to something new and exciting. Um, one of the things that was brought up to me when I was doing, getting ready for this talk is, okay, how many of you have either watched or been to a sporting event or a concert? I want to see hands. Okay, that's a lot of people, right? You know how exciting that can be, right? None of us think twice 
about jumping out of our seats when we're at a concert or at a sporting event when our team is going well, of course, about screaming, not that I want you to scream in church, I'm just saying, <laughs> about raising your hands when you're all excited and, and all the other things that we do when we're excited in those moments. Why is it so hard for us to translate that into worship? It's like when we get to worship, we have to be uh, solemn and reserved. And there's a place for reverence. Don't get me wrong. You've got to be, you've got to revere him. But we also have the ability to show those kinds of physical emotions that we don't allow ourselves to do in a church service. So all I'm saying is we need to um, challenge ourselves to be more open to showing how we feel, being authentic about how we feel in word and in deed. So I would just, you know, tuck that away, think about it, because there's also plenty of people who are just absolutely smothered in worship. They may just be sitting quietly in their, their chair. So I'm not saying it has to be one way or the other. I'm just saying um, let yourselves get a little uncomfortable sometimes. You don't want to be so comfortable that you're not paying attention, and you don't want to be so uncomfortable that you're not paying attention. You know what I mean? You got to find that sweet spot in the middle where you're a little challenged, but you're still worshiping God. Um, a lot of times we have automatic responses, physical I'm talking about, to good news or bad news. Let's say, well, most of us, mm, I think most of us were adults when 9-11 happened. Okay. I think we all remember how that felt. I imagine some of us had very, very physical reactions to that. When you find out you're going to have a baby, when you decide to get married, when you get a new job, all those things, you may do something physical to show your uh, reaction to that situation. That's all I think God wants from us is that we are willing to show how we feel about him the way we are about other things. That's just me saying that. I'm not sure the Bible actually says that. That's just me. But I would say we probably need to challenge ourselves in that area a little bit. No one's going to worship exactly like you do, and that's okay. Let us, others have the freedom to express their worship in their way, and you feel free to express it in your way. So again, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's just another aspect, another thing that we just need to be aware of, you know? Um, John 4, 20 to 24, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, and this is all Jesus' words, obviously, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. All of that to say, there's no right or wrong place to worship. You can worship in your car. You can worship at church. You can worship in the bathroom. You can worship at work. You can worship anywhere. Anywhere that you can breathe. Well, no, you can probably worship underwater too but maybe not for a long time. <laughs> Anywhere that you are alive, you can worship. Uh, we just have to have that awakened heart. 
um, Colossians 3, 16 to 17, let the word of Christ, Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We've all heard this verse. Everything we do, not just the things we do that are for church, everything that we do is to be done in God's name. Everything that we do can be an act of worship. When I'm sitting at work and I'm typing in somebody's name to look up their, I don't know, their benefit times or whatever, that can still be an act of worship because I'm doing my job in the way that I feel God would want me to do it and therefore I'm holding him up. So there's that. Um, all of this is just to say that God has to be the focus. He has to be the focus what he has done, who he is, more importantly, who he is, what he will do, those are all things that are beyond our understanding. And I know that he wants us to be with him in this journey, that he wants us to be with him in the times that, that we are praising him and then showing that worship. He wants us to be with him when we're working, when we're having fun, when we're hanging out with family and friends, that he is the focus and, and not me. So I would just ask that we would think about these things, um, chew them, look up scripture, test whatever I'm saying to scripture, because certainly I'm not an expert, and know that he is happy with our expression. He is happy with our attempt. Even if we feel like we haven't made it, I think that he still is happy when we're working toward uh, having that worshipful life, life filled with worship. Um, and so I just think that that's, that's it's something that we can do. That's, it's within our grasp, not because we have the power, but he has the power and we have him. Okay, having said all that, let us pray. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you so, so much for what you have done for us, for what you have given us in your word, for what you've given us in your son above all things. I thank you for this planet. I thank you for the people on it, for your majesty, for your love, for your patience with us. And I pray that we can have awakened hearts, that we can go forward and be thinking about you, what you've done, and how we can express that and proclaim it to others and show it in our worship. In your precious and holy name, amen.